You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Perception versus reality. Adolescents and young adults generally think they are invincible, the immortality of youth, and therefore deny any risk. Is this reality? Numbers show that since the AIDS epidemic began, an estimated 10,000 adolescents and young adults with AIDS in the United States have died, and the proportion diagnosed with AIDS has also increased. Join me at the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Mark Klein. Dr. Klein is a professor of pediatrics at the Baylor College of Medicine and at Texas Children's Hospital. He is chief of retrovirology and president of the Baylor International Pediatric AIDS Initiative. Thank you for joining us this morning, Dr. Klein. Today, we will be discussing AIDS in the adolescent population. Better treatment, increasing longevity, are now resulting in a different population of children, young adults with AIDS. How have you seen this change epidemiologically, both in the United States and internationally? Well, it's really been a remarkable thing. We have um, children who were born with HIV who now have survived into adolescence and even into the early adult years. That's something that we didn't imagine was possible in the early days of the epidemic. And then we have a second group of adolescents and young adults who have been infected with HIV through adult behaviors. And so these are really two very different subpopulations, but um, they, they represent the, the adolescents and young adults that we're seeing today with the infection. How large a population of adolescents with AIDS is there in the United States? I don't, we, we don't know precise numbers. Um, we know that most of the children born with HIV in the uh, early 1990s have survived into adolescence, and so uh, that is a few thousand uh, of those children who now have become adolescents. And then we, we know that new infections of HIV actually are clustered in the 15 to 24-year age group. Um, so I would say that the bulk of the infections that we're seeing among adolescents uh, really are newly infected adolescents uh, infected through adult behaviors rather than among children who have aged into adolescence. Well, I'm a practicing pediatrician, and I can tell you there are a lot of adolescents practicing adult behaviors. <laughs> yeah, there sure are. As a matter of fact, I have patients not infrequently coming into my office because they are sexually active and asked to be routinely tested for HIV. Is this a good idea? How often would you recommend it? Well, it, it is a good idea. The American Academy of Pediatrics, in fact, has recommended uh, routine testing of adolescents for HIV. Uh, I don't think there's a stipulation as to whether that should be done annually or, or less frequently. Um, obviously, one has to gauge the risk behaviors of the adolescent. An adolescent who is not sexually active um, and who has no other risk behaviors is not going to be at risk of acquiring the infection. But an adolescent who had engaged in sexual activity or who has had blood transfusions or certainly one who uh, uses illicit drugs is going to be at some risk and should be tested or offered testing. And that probably should be repeated at least on an annual basis. Should testing be done anonymously? We've moved away in large part from anonymous testing. Um, there are centers that will provide anonymous testing services, but certainly in the clinical setting, in an office setting, the testing is done just like testing for a variety of other illnesses or infections and would not be anonymous. Anonymous testing was, was thought to be a way of, of bringing into screening, uh, to testing, people who might shy away otherwise because of fear of stigmatization and discrimination. And hopefully um, 
procedures we've put in place for confidentiality of medical information and the laws that are in place to reduce um, discrimination against people with HIV have largely obviated the need for anonymous testing. My mother kept saying over and over again, an ounce of prevention, and doctors love to talk about lifestyle changes. What are the particular problems of adolescents, and have you found a good way of reaching them and making the point that this is an infectious disease and immortality will not protect you? Yeah, well, we're dealing with um, some age-related attitudes to some extent, and then we're just uh, also dealing with human nature and the difficulty of changing human behavior in general. Uh, But among adolescents in particular, we have to get the message across that HIV can be transmitted sexually through heterosexual sex. There still is a myth, particularly among adolescent girls, that only gay boys get HIV, that if they're having sex with a heterosexual boy, they don't need to worry about getting HIV. And uh, girls are particularly at risk. In the, in the adolescent age group, girls are overrepresented among new infections. So it's the, it's the girls who are, are being placed really at risk through heterosexual sex. And we have to let adolescents know um, how to protect themselves. And, and obviously, um, abstinence is the best and, and surest way of prevention. But for those adolescents who choose to be sexually active, we need to teach them about condom usage. And that means consistent condom use, start to finish every sexual encounter. And we know that condoms are an effective means of preventing transmission for those adolescents who are sexually active. Are there any other methods that have proven effective in preventing sexually transmitted diseases in general, and specifically AIDS? Well, I think uh, HIV-AIDS is is like uh, many other sexually transmitted infections. Um, This is a situation where we may have something to learn from our African colleagues. Um, Africa, of course, has been particularly hard hit by HIV, and adolescent girls and boys uh, have become infected at a very high rate in a number of countries in sub-Saharan Africa. And Uganda really pioneered what are referred to as the African ABCs. In an African context, ABC is A for abstain. B for be faithful, so in other words, um, limit the number of partners that you have, and C is condomize, abstain, be faithful, and condomize. And this approach to prevention of HIV and other sexually transmitted infections in Uganda has produced demonstrable, tangible results. The number of new HIV infections among adolescents and young adults, both boys and girls in Uganda has fallen every year since 1992. The prevalence rate of the infection has declined every year since 1992. The number of casual sexual partners reported by adolescents and young adults has declined, and the age at sexual debut for boys and girls has increased. So it's a rather simple message, but um, I think that it is one that has applicability to U.S. settings as well. Are there any comorbidities that are unique to adolescents? Comorbidities. Um, Or other diseases associated with it in Africa, I'm sure tuberculosis, malaria, and some of those devastating illnesses have major impact. Is there anything unique to America, the United States? Yeah, I don't think there's anything really unique. Certainly, genital ulcer disease everywhere increases the risk of HIV transmission. So uh, 
an adolescent or a young adult in particular who had genital herpes or any other type of genital ulcer disease would be more likely to either acquire or transmit HIV. That's a situation that's particularly risky. But otherwise, I don't think there's anything really unique about the adolescent age group. We we certainly see co-infections, so we worry about hepatitis B and syphilis and gonorrhea and herpes simplex and, and other sexually transmitted infections in the same population where we worry about HIV. The current state of the art in treatment, besides medications, are there other important factors that children can do to maintain their health and survival with AIDS? Certainly for for those patients who are experiencing symptoms from HIV or whose immune system shows evidence of damage from HIV, we give all of those patients highly active antiretroviral therapy. And then there are additional medications that can be given to prevent certain opportunistic infections. So we use trimethoprim, sulfamethoxazole, for example, three days per week to prevent pneumocystis carini pneumonia. We advise good nutrition. We advise avoidance of excessive alcohol intake. We advise against smoking. We advise uh, for a routine program of exercise and fitness. So those are sort of general recommendations. But really, the the uh, the real watershed event in the management of HIV in the United States was the advent of these drug cocktails, the highly active antiretroviral therapy, which can near totally suppress the ability of HIV to replicate in the body. And to see the impact that that has had on the health of children, adolescents, and adults has been truly remarkable. People who were on their deathbeds when highly active antiretroviral therapy became available are living and thriving today, and they work full-time, they go to school full-time, they're doing very, very well, and we expect these drugs really to continue to have that sort of benefit for decades to come. If you had a closing message to the adolescent population, what would you advise them in both prevention and should they be told that they do have HIV, how should they approach their health? Well, you, you started with something your mother told you, so I'll finish with something my mother told me, and that is that knowledge is power. And I think uh, particularly as physicians caring for adolescents, we need to empower our young patients to make uh, smart decisions on their own behalf. And that means having the knowledge to uh, about HIV and how it's transmitted and how it can be avoided. And particularly young girls need to have the self-esteem um, and the confidence to say no, to make their own sexual decisions, not to, not to be coerced or cajoled into sex by boys, because we know that the girls really can have a powerful influence in limiting sexual activity and thereby avoiding their own exposure to HIV. I want to thank Dr. Mark Klein, who I have been privileged to have as our guest. We have been discussing AIDS in the adolescent population. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.